Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Hey guys, before we begin, I just wanted to say a huge congratulations to all of the graduates. We are so proud of you. I know it's been a lot of hard work and that the past couple of years have not been particularly easy whatsoever, but you did it and we're proud of you. Your parents are proud of you, your church community is proud of you, and we are rooting for you. I have two of my own, of my own that have graduated. I'm so proud of them and, uh, and also everyone who's moving on up to the next grade. Congrats on making it through another year. Uh, you also had to overcome a lot of struggles, uh, but with the Lord's help, you've made it, and I'm so proud of you. Guys, continue to work hard, honor Christ in everything, and there will be huge benefits that come from it in the future. So let's begin today's, uh, today's word by reading this week's passage. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Here's what it says. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. I wanted to begin our time by asking this question. How are you able to tell when something is fake or real? How do you know when something is authentic or genuine? For example, are you able to distinguish the difference between a real dollar bill versus a counterfeit bill? How do you know and, and what are the marks of an authentic bill? Or what about Jordans? Can you spot the difference between a knockoff pair and a genuine pair? By the way, there's whole YouTube channels dedicated to this stuff. What about Gucci bags? What about Pokemon cards? Some of these cards these days are going for millions of dollars. How can you spot the difference? What about diamonds and, and jewelry? There's usually certain evidence in place to know when something is authentic. For example, maybe a logo is placed in a certain place or it's facing a certain direction. Colors might be more vibrant or less colorful or follow a certain color palette or scheme. There's certain characteristics that determine when something is genuine over something that is inauthentic. What if I told you that there were certain marks of a Christian? What if I told you that there's evidence of an authentic Christian? What if I told you that you could tell if a person is a genuine follower of Christ? This is important because we want to be authentic followers of Christ, so we aspire to have these marks present. But this is also important because it's important to identify when someone isn't an authentic follower of Christ. But Danny, isn't that judging? We're not supposed to judge. No, actually, the Bible says that you will be able to identify a tree by its fruit. And a genuine follower of Christ will bear fruit. You'll be able to tell when Christ has genuinely changed and transformed a person. There are instances where someone professes to be something that they're not. And you need to be able to identify them because you might be in real danger otherwise. In the Bible, you read the picture of wolves in sheep's clothing, right? In other words, someone attempting to appear as something that they are not. And the picture is a wolf in sheep's clothing Never like a butterfly in sheep's clothing because wolves are dangerous, right? In today's passage, Paul is going to call out some of these people. 
And it's important. Why? Because what they are teaching is a real danger to the true gospel. And what they are teaching can lead people astray. It has the appearance of the gospel, but is actually something totally different. And so we read this in verse 2. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. As you can see, Paul gives a firm warning to the Philippians here, and his warning is watch out. Watch out for who? The dogs, the evil workers, those who mutilate the flesh. But Paul, you're being so judgmental. And Paul would say, no, I'm identifying people who want to fool you and bamboozle you and lead you astray from following and adhering to the true gospel. So for the good of the audience Paul is communicating to, he's going to call these people out. Guys, one of the most loving things that you could do for a person is call out when you see danger. If I see you carelessly crossing the street on your phone and a car is racing down the street, the loving thing for me to do is to yell at you, to scream out your name and to grab your attention. And this is what Paul is doing. So who is Paul referring to? Who is he talking about? Paul is talking about a group called the Judaizers. And this was a religious sect that went under the guise as Christians, but taught that in order to be a Christian, one had to become Jewish first. What did that mean practically? Well, for a Gentile man, that meant that he'd have to be circumcised in order to be saved. Paul was adamantly opposing that teaching and calling them out. Essentially, he was saying, yo, that, that tree is claiming to be an apple tree, but it's actually giving out a counterfeit. And if you take a bite of that fruit, it's actually poison. And this is why it's important for us to understand the marks of a Christian. What is the evidence of someone who is a follower of Christ? So today we're going to go over three. The first one is this. Number one, we worship by the Spirit. And so Paul says in verse three, For we are the circumcisions, the one who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ, and do not put confidence in the flesh. When Paul mentions worship, he's not talking about the Sunday gathering. He's not talking about the set list at church or the songs that we choose to sing. He's talking about our service to God, our devotion to God, following God, surrendering to Him, living for Him. That's all that encompasses the act and the idea of worship. And this all comes by way of the Spirit of God drawing us to Him. This is not something that comes by our might or our strength, our desires or our reasoning. Our salvation, our drawing to God, our worship of God is a spiritual act. It's an act of God. And if you are a follower of Christ, you've experienced this. Perhaps life was heading in one direction. You had your thoughts, your plans, your trajectory in place. Maybe you were heading down a dark path or maybe even a successful one until it was all turned head over heels by God. You recognize your sin and your need for a Savior, and you put your faith in Jesus. Guys, that was a work by His Spirit. Some of you were perhaps like me. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home by parents who loved you and loved the Lord. The gospel was introduced to you from a young age. You learned the Bible stories, you sang the songs, and even memorized the Bible verses. But guys, there had to come a day where the Holy Spirit took what you learned and internalized it. When your parents' faith became your faith, when the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to your spiritual waywardness and showed, you, and showed you your need for Jesus, there was a moment when you put your faith in Jesus, and that was a work of the Spirit. 
Paul writes this elsewhere. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 9. These are strong words here from Paul. It's the claim that the regenerative work of salvation is an inward doing of the spirit of God. Therefore, if someone claims that their salvation, their following of Christ, their regeneration happens by anything else other than the work of the Spirit, we have evidence to believe that they might not authentically follow Christ. So are you a Christian? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why why are you a Christian? Oh, because my parents are Christian. Guys, I'm sorry, but you're not a follower of Christ because of your family. Your salvation is... Your forgiveness of sin, your eternity granted is not inherited. It's not a genetic quality that's passed down in your bloodline. Oh, I'm a Christian because I go to church on Sundays or because I I give to charity or because I read my Bible. Guys, that's all really great stuff, but that's not what makes you a follower of Christ. You are a follower of Christ when the Spirit of God has revealed Christ to you and you, in turn, have put your faith in the redemptive work of Christ, not your own. So what are you basing the assurance of your salvation on? For the Judaizers, they were putting their assurance of salvation on a ritual, the act of circumcision. But the true mark of a follower of Christ is worship by the Spirit. The second evidence of a follower of Christ, according to today's passage, is this. Number two, we boast in Christ. So let's take a look at verse three once again. It says this, For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, and boast in who? Boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. You guys know this. People love to boast about many things. For example, people who are really into politics and who put their hope, faith, and confidence in politics will boast in their political party or their affiliation. They will boast in their political candidate as the one who has all the answers to the world's problems. People who put all their hope, faith, and confidence in education will boast about the level of education that they receive. They will boast in the school they went to, the professors that they learned under, the number of degrees that they have, or in their GPA. People who put all their hope, faith, and confidence in in success will boast about the degree of success that they've achieved in their work. They will boast uh, in their salary. They will boast in their pension. They will boast... Uh, in their promotion or the step that they are on in the corporate ladder. But Paul says that we boast in Christ, not in self, not in others, not in polity, in Christ and in Christ alone. And this takes all the glory off of self and puts it onto Christ and what he's done. Elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul writes this, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift not from works, so that no one can boast. This means that we don't even boast in the fact that God has saved us. We realize that this experience of salvation, the fact that we've been redeemed and restored and renewed, is an act of God. It's a gift of grace through faith and has absolutely zero to do with us. There's nothing for us to boast about except Christ. Do you find yourself boasting about your accolades and your achievements? Do you boast about your spirituality and your willingness or ability to grow in Christ-likeness? Or are you boasting in Christ? Are you making much of Christ? Are you bringing glory to Christ? The mark of a follower of Christ is that they're constantly drawing the attention 
to Christ, not to self. The third evidence of a follower of Christ is this. We do not put confidence in the flesh. One more time, let's look at verse three, and here's what Paul says. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. This is essentially what the Judaizers were doing. In addition to the grace of God poured out in Christ, they put an extra thing to do, an extra ritual, an extra step. It was putting confidence quite literally in the flesh. What does it mean to put confidence in the flesh? It's adding anything to God's equation of salvation. God's equation is Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus your personal holiness. It's not Jesus plus your church attendance. It's not Jesus plus how spiritually gifted you are or how much charity you do. This is the major distinction between authentic followers of Christ versus other religions and even some so-called Christian offshoots. What is Paul doing in this text? He's calling out a group of people that are teaching false doctrine. He's correcting. He's calling out. He's showing the Philippian church the correct path. But isn't Paul judging? Yes, because if not, people will be led astray. Eternities are at stake. But isn't it just a little difference, Danny? Isn't it not really that big of a deal? No, it's massive. It's a big deal. It's confidence in the flesh. How many of you like brownies? What if I gave you a batch of fresh baked brownies and you take a bite out of it and it's so fudgy and warm, it just melts in your mouth. But what if I told you after you nearly finished the whole thing, oh, by the way, a dog left a turd in front of the church and I took just a little bit of it and I mixed it into the batch before I baked it for you. With that knowledge, there's no way you would have even taken a bite. Why not? Because it's poison, it's contaminated. In fact, you can even get extremely ill from eating it because it's contaminated. And it's the same thing with the gospel, guys. A little bit of turd, a little bit of confidence in the flesh corrupts the whole gospel. For example, we recently had some Mormon missionaries in our community. Some of you may have friends, coworkers, or family members that are part of the LDS, and they claim to be Christians. They're very kind, very moral people, very righteous people. They claim to be Christian, but guys, they're not. They're confused. They're mistaken. They've been led astray. They follow a religion based on the teachings of a man who says he received the revelation from an angel which gave him the correct interpretation of the scriptures. And among what they believe, I wanted to show you how they twist the passage we just read earlier in Ephesians 2. Check this out. For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Guys, it says after all we can do. What is that? That's confidence in the flesh, man. It's the precise thing that Paul is warning the church in Philippi against. It's the very thing he's calling out the Judaizers for doing. It's a distorted, corrupt, and thereby false version of the gospel. What do you do with a little bit of turd? You don't eat the brownie. You throw it out. But we do not put confidence in the flesh. This is a mark of a true, genuine, authentic follower of Christ. And so if we don't put confidence in the flesh, who do we put confidence in? It's in Christ, in Christ alone. 
our confidence is in God's grace, his unmerited favor, his redemption plan set in motion in and through the, the work of Jesus Christ. In him who lived a perfect and sinless life, who died the death that we deserve, who was the perfect sacrifice for our sin, and who conquered the grave, crushing the head of the serpent, so that we could have forgiveness of sin and new life. And this gospel message is good news to all and available to everyone. It's available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And if they do, God is mighty to save and they will be saved. And if you're here today and you've yet to declare this, if you yet to receive what Christ has made available, you can today. If you're here today and you were led astray by a false or corrupted version of the gospel, you have an opportunity to accept God's free gift of grace. Just put your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Not in your works, not in your religion, not in your ability, in Christ, in Christ alone. God, we praise you that you that we are able to worship you in spirit and in truth, that we are brought to you by your spirit. We praise you for this truth. God, we pray that you would forgive us for boasting in so many other things. Empower us in your spirit to boast in Christ, to make much of Christ, to glorify Christ. And God, today we say that we put all our confidence and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. We thank you that you are mighty to save. It is not by our works. There is absolutely nothing that we can boast in, but in Christ alone. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?